Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. <laughs> Kia ora and welcome to the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast. I am your host, Jordan. I am mum to two beautiful little boys, Jai and Ali. I also host the Your Birth Project online hypnobirthing course and the Mini Kiwis First Aid course for parents of under five-year-olds. And I have an online store attached to Your Birth Project, which encompasses everything pregnancy, birth and postpartum related. So just absolutely love that side of the business. I'm also a very, very passionate storyteller and a lover of all things birth. So hence why I am leading you on this podcast. I'm not an advocate for any particular type of birth or model of birth care. I am simply here to hold space for this platform for you to share your beautiful stories with us all. You'll hear stories of joy, of heartbreak, of love, of loss, and each family has a different experience to share. I'm trying to bring to light stories that we often only tell in the darkest of places or to our closest of friends, but really are so important for everybody to hear. So I hope that you love the podcast of these beautiful families all over Aotearoa and I will let you jump into the podcast now. Enjoy. This week's episode of Kiwi Birth Tales is proudly brought to you by Your Birth Project and if you've listened to the podcast before you will know what Your Birth Project is but if you haven't Your Birth Project is my online hypnobirthing course that is designed to help you create your best birth and what that means is totally up to you so it's not up to me or your midwife or your partner or anyone else to decide what your best birth looks like it is completely up to you and the course will aid you in deciding what that means and setting your birth goals and yeah just really understanding what the process of labor and birth looks like so it's an amazing tool if you are pregnant and you can start practicing the techniques in pregnancy as well lots of mums use the breathing techniques when they're feeling a little bit anxious or they have some discomfort in their pregnancy so yeah you can sort of start anytime when you're pregnant and the other pillar of your birth project is the online store which was opened in December and the online store houses everything pregnancy birth and postpartum related everything that you could think of I've hopefully got it for you in the store and yeah just really supporting you throughout all stages of that motherhood journey so I'd love for you to go and check your birth project out you can find uh, the page on Instagram at your birth project or you could head to the website www.yourbirthproject.com if you've got any questions feel free to message me or send me an email I love to chat about all things birth and your birth project is just such a passion of mine so feel free to reach out if you've got any questions in this week's episode of the podcast, I speak with Simone Anderson and she takes us through her pregnancy and birth story with her son Asher. And I think that you will really love this story from Simone. It's super positive and she takes us through what her journey has been like, a really positive induction story and then into 
a discussion about postpartum and what her breastfeeding journey's been like, her recovery, and also her return to intimacy with her partner Trent. So we cover a whole heap in this episode. I know you're going to enjoy it, so I will stop blabbering on now and let you jump into it. Hi, Simone. Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. <laughs> no problem. Would you like to tell the listeners a little bit about you and who is in your family? Yeah, absolutely. So my name's Simone, um, and it was about seven years ago that I started documenting what was at the time a quite extreme weight loss journey online. Yeah. Uh, and this, yeah, it just sort of seemed to gain quite a bit of traction and gain <laughs> large audience and since then it's really become my full-time gig um do a lot to do with it along with you know brand ambassador roles and it's it's what I share my life on day to day <laughs> uh, so that's just a little bit about me and what I do uh, but in terms of my family I've got my beautiful husband Trent and we've been married just over a year now but together six years and we have a little six-month-old baby boy, Asher. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you do the maths on that, we were pregnant on our wedding day. Mm, yeah. Special, so there's three of us. Um, and I cannot forget our French bulldog, Maddox, our first <laughs> baby. So that's yeah. our family unit. Yeah, awesome. Very cool. And what was the journey like to pregnancy for you and Trent? Uh, we had locked in our wedding date uh, and we were one of the very first COVID <laughs> dates for weddings. So we were that very first week and we went into lockdown. That was our wedding date. Yeah. And we just didn't know when we'd be able to rebook in our wedding date. Uh, so we thought, you know, we've wanted a family and we were going to start trying for a family after we got married, but we just didn't know when that was going to be possible. So we thought, well, we'll just start trying now. Uh, so we we tried for a couple of months and then we found out that we could, you know, rebook our wedding date. It was looking like we we're coming back out of lockdown. So we thought, okay, well, we'll put this on pause for a little bit and we'll, you know, we'll stop trying for now. Um, just because I wanted my wedding dress to fit, if I'm perfectly <laughs> honest. I didn't want to do that process again. So I thought, we'll just put it on pause and we'll restart a bit closer to our wedding date, which was the 20th of November. So it was, I think, Two months before that, that we started trying again, uh, thinking that by that point, if I if we were to fall pregnant by any chance, you would not be able to tell on the wedding day, and you know, <laughs> still fit my dress. And we <laughs> yeah. fell pregnant very quickly on that first month, and it was yeah, we're very very blessed with that because um, I know it's not easy for everyone, and I just, I guess due to my weight for so many years and being so overweight and being on birth control for 14 years, I, I just had in the back of my mind that it, that it would be a tough journey for us mm. and that you know, it might take a while. Uh, so having it happen so quickly was definitely a, you know, it was a very surprising thing for me. And yeah, I felt very, very blessed because I know that's not the case for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And how were you feeling when you found out, you were pregnant did you have like did you miss a period or have other symptoms that might make you think you were pregnant or was it a real shock yeah so I was because we were trying I think very actively and I was tracking my ovulation and all of these things in my Mm. regular cycle uh I my period was due on a Saturday and it you know it didn't didn't come on that Saturday and I remember on the Sunday thinking okay it's still not here and this is in the evening I'll just take a test um and was yeah peed on the stick and (laughs) 
we jumped in the car. We were going to get um, fried rice for dinner from down the road. So I jumped in the car. And as we were reversing out, I had the, the stick covered in pee in the car. With me. <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to wait two minutes. I want to get my fried rice. I was backing out of the driveway. I looked down. I saw the faintest, faintest line. Um, and I just turned to Trent and I it was just bawling my eyes out. <laughs> showed him the the stick and we just we just couldn't believe it it was just such an amazing amazing surprise not really a surprise because you're trying but it's still yeah, a yeah. you know it's a surprise I guess yeah. and yeah that was a big shock moment so we kept driving and got our fried rice with just <laughs> crazy chats on the drive there and I couldn't stop crying and yeah it was awesome and then we snuggled back into bed afterwards and it was just such a nice nice evening and got to talk about you know how excited we were for this next step which was really yeah. cool yeah awesome very cool and what about your first trimester did you have many pregnancy symptoms pop up along the way in that first 12 weeks I would say I had no pregnancy (laughs) at all I and to the point where it actually it was a little bit of a worry I guess Mm. I I felt nothing that was typical pregnancy symptoms I felt totally fine I had great energy levels um yeah, it was a little bit, I had to, you know, remind myself that I was still pregnant mm. and I had to take it a little bit slow and all of those sort of things because I didn't feel one inch of like nauseousness mm. or anything like that. So yeah, I guess blessing and blessing in a way, but it yeah, was yeah. a bit scary thinking, you know, is, yeah. is baby still in me? Yeah, no, I can understand that. <laughs> and did you go with a midwife or an obstetrician for your care? Yeah, we decided to go with a midwife um, for many reasons, but I think I just felt incredibly blessed living in New Zealand uh, and having the amazing care that we have here already. And, you know, overseas people are wanting the, you know, the midwife service that we have here in New Zealand. And it's something that, you know, I'm just so thankful for. So that was a choice that we made. Um, And we had lots of people in our lives do both routes Mm -hmm. um, got to hear firsthand about the experiences of both but for us that was definitely the sort of more of the birthing idea I guess I had was more around that sort of route than the nutrition route so yeah Yeah. we're very very happy with that decision (laughs) awesome cool and what about the rest of your pregnancy did you do the sort of standard testing that's offered in New Zealand and did you find out the sex of your baby yeah so we we did all the very standard through um our midwife, uh, all the general scans and everything like that. The one thing we did opt for uh, was the NIP test to find out the gender at 10 weeks because I'm the most impatient person <laughs> ever met and yeah. I had to know right then and there. I could not wait till 20 weeks. Yeah. Um, and that was, yeah, it was a very nice surprise. So we got the results just before Christmas and we did a sort of gender reveal. We let my mum know and Trent's mum know the gender and then we found out all as a family on Christmas Day. So it was pretty <laughs> beautiful surprise. Uh, yeah, we're having a little boy. But because of, um, I've gone through weight loss surgery, so gastric sleeve surgery seven years ago, they my midwife suggested that I actually needed to get a few more uh, scans than than your average woman, just because of uh, known sort of complications of babies running a bit smaller uh, due to the surgery. They don't actually okay. have an eye, but it's just, it's quite common. So they wanted to keep a slightly closer eye on me, I guess. And I, I couldn't complain, to be honest, because it meant I got to see him more <laughs> regularly and, you know, get those check-ins. So that would be the only thing that would sort of differ, I guess, compared to many women yeah 
Awesome. So the, there's no other sort of concerns or complications um, that they're worried about from a gastric sleeve surgery. It's just the potential for a slightly smaller baby. Yeah, I think they just have noticed a trend um, yeah. that, you know, anyone that's gone through a sort of weight loss surgery has had babies on the smaller side. So they mm. just want to keep a close eye on growth, basically, to check yeah. that developing as per and, you know, all of those those little things as far yeah. as yeah, awesome. Cool. And did you do any antenatal or birth classes or find any um, other birth education helpful? Yeah, so we did an online um, antenatal class, I guess. Um, and it was, we went with Nest, which was one that was recommended by my by our midwife. Uh, there mm-hmm. were two that recommended. And that one just sort of stood out to us because of the online course you could do. Uh, both Trent and I have very, very, very time poor. And the idea of going in somewhere weekly <laughs> was, it was just a lot. Like we don't have yeah. any free evening. So it was going to be a bit of a shuffle. So the fact that we could do our class on one Sunday morning and um, have someone come to our house and it was <laughs> one one and power through this course really was, it was just perfect for us in our lifestyles. And yeah, yeah we got to, I guess, sort of tailor it to us. So if we knew certain parts or, you know, she could like, skip over that part or go over that part quite quickly but if we mm. want detail which I, you know I did around like the actual the actual birth and stages of labor and things like that which I just had no clue about mm-hmm. um, you know she went into a bit more depth on that for us which was great and I think mm-hmm. the only side of it with that that you missed out is that community side and forming that group but yeah and for us that wasn't a huge priority it was because we actually had 19 friends at the time <laughs> pregnant or oh my gosh <laughs> So we had this huge community around us already. Um, yeah. And I, I I just knew with our lives that that would be sufficient enough in terms of a community group for us to sort of yeah. you know, rely on. And yeah, just that was a decision we made. And yeah, we're very, we're still very happy with that decision. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. And so did you have like a birth plan or thoughts on how you wanted your birth to play out? Yeah. So I, very much, we'd sort of, Trent and I had sat down and talked and we had a birthing idea. And the reason we like to call it our mm-hmm. birthing idea is because we know not often um, does it go completely to plan. And sure. I think in my head, I'm such a planner that I f- was worried myself that if I had a plan and it didn't go to plan, I'd get a little bit distressed and it would mm-hmm. actually worry me. So I thought if I've got an idea in my mind of, what I want to happen, at least I can be okay with change. And, you know, if anything doesn't quite go to this, you know, exact plan that we have. Um, And so the birthing idea that we had was my dream was to birth at home and have a a water birth at home. Uh, But my husband, Trent, that petrified him. uh, And (laughs) for our first baby, he really wanted to make sure that there was some sort of care around us. Um, So we actually... We talked about having our baby at birth care. So you've got sort of the that in-between where there is care there, you're close to a hospital if anything goes wrong, mm. but that it's still, you can have, you know, it's set up how you want with the bath and all of those, all of those sort of things without it being too medical. Yeah. Um, and that was, yeah, that was our, our idea and, you know, hoping for natural birth. But again, you just you never know. So it wasn't a dead set on that either. Yeah. Yeah, 
Awesome. Cool. And did you do anything in preparation for birth? Like, I know there's a million different things that people will tell you can help with your labor or bring on your labor, but were you doing any like antenatal expressing or perennial massage or drinking any of the teas, anything like that? Yeah. So um, I had done a hypnobirth, I read a hypnobirthing book, a Kiwi-based book. I can't remember exactly what version it was, but yeah. and then I downloaded the gentle birth app, so the hypnobirthing app. So I was yeah. practicing that just in terms of breathing techniques and you know mind techniques really, just actually yeah. through the pain of labour, uh, which was just it was amazing. And I think it was also that time each day to just just be um, and focus on me and my body and how I was feeling, and I found that that quite powerful. Um, and then in terms of you know, I had I started collecting colostrum at about the thirty-eight week mark, and nice. was um, popping that aside. So that was pretty cool. I've talked about doing the massages, um, the internal <laughs> massages, and Trent was all on board. And then we just never really got around to it. It never yeah. became a nightly ritual, so we didn't do that. Uh, and then when I hit forty weeks, that's when. Uh, I tried everything under the sun. I tried mm. the raspberry leaf teas. I tried the curb walking. I got acupuncture. <laughs> I, you name it, I gave it a go. Uh, yeah. Minus the castor oil. I refused to do that because I didn't want to have that no. nightmare of a birth. Um, but yeah, that we tried everything and yeah, nothing, nothing bought, bought on labor for us. <laughs> Um, so I was 41 in six, six days when, uh, you know, we'd booked in to have an induction at that point. I wanted to wait till the 42, but they had no spots on that day. And the next available day was four days after that. So I thought, no, I'll just go that one day early. And so we booked in for an induction. Um, yeah, 41 and six. Yeah. Awesome. And so did you end up needing to be induced or did he, um, surprise you beforehand? (laughs) No, he was very happy in there. <laughs> yeah. I have always had those, oh, maybe it'll be today. He'll just because yeah. I've booked in. But no, he. Uh, we ended up booking in um, at hospital and starting, yeah, starting the induction process was on, yeah, at 41 and 6. Yeah. And how did you feel about being induced before you sort of went in? I didn't really have any, I guess, positive or negative feelings of that much neutral around it it was just what to be done um and I you know I talked about all the options through with my midwife and I I felt very comfortable with this decision and I was a hundred percent ready to meet him so Mm -hmm. the the idea of waiting any longer was you know I was not okay with that Uh, so I yeah I was very comfortable knowing that I was going to meet him in you know a day or two uh, which was very exciting and I I think it actually by the end of it, it took a bit of the the what if out because every day it was like, well, what if he comes today? And you'd had plans and you'd go about your day and it was, you know, like, well, mm. I have to be close to this to make sure I can get home in time or I don't want to be dri- drive too far away. And then I think having that set, okay, well, we're going to hospital tomorrow. It was, it was like, cool. That's, you know, I know when it's yeah. going to happen. We find, you know, we put the last few things in our hospital bags and drove ourselves there in the morning. I had a nice shower, so I was free. <laughs> It was all of those sort of things that actually I was like, oh, this works quite well for my personality. So, yeah, <laughs> wasn't too bad. Yeah, yeah, awesome. And do you want to talk us through, um, yeah, heading into hospital and into the induction process and what that was like for you? 
Yeah, absolutely. I'll try and remember it as best I can. There's still parts that, you know, you think you'll never forget this day. Oh, I know. Quite quickly, you're like, how yeah. did it happen? What order was it? Yeah. Uh, but we had booked in for, we had to be there first thing of the day. I think it was 8.30. Uh, so I bagged all packed the night before and got up and showered and washed my hair and blow dried it so I felt nice and Jumped in the car, got McDonald's hash brown on the drive in, <laughs> which meant we were actually a little bit late. So that was embarrassing telling the nurse why we were late. <laughs> so I had to get a hash brown, you know. Um, and then, yeah, we got to hospital and we'd sort of been told a few different things that could take a while to check you in and, you know, you just be prepared for that. But we really signed a piece of paper and they showed us our room and we were, yeah, in there very quickly. And they said we give our first dose at pretty sure it was around 9am and I thought oh because I had um a misoprostol I think is how you say it oh, yeah yeah um yeah that you ingest and have every two hours so yeah we we got into our room and they had a mattress on the floor for Trent and we just settled in and had my first dose and they monitored before and after that first dose and they basically just ran us through the process and said yeah. that they would give this every two hours um, with a max two doses a day. So the last dose would be at 11 p.m. And, yeah, so every dose before and after they monitored. But around that, you sort of had free roam. So we had my best friend came in to play cards for a little bit. We went for lots of walks, tried some more curb walking, <laughs> um, went up. There was a local little food spot. We got lunch there, got sushi for lunch and yeah, and by 11 p.m. I was on my last dose and it felt absolutely nothing. <laughs> well, I could have another whole day of this because they said they do two days max of, of this, you know, yeah. treatment before they'd look into something else. Uh, so, yeah, I thought I'd better get to sleep, you know, and have a good night's sleep so that if any, you know, if we have anything happen tomorrow, at least I'm rested. And then it was around, I think from memory, around 4 a.m. I woke up and just felt like I needed to do a poo mm. and went to the bathroom and did the smallest poo in history, came back to the bedroom, Trent's still sleeping on the, you know, stretcher there, came back to the bed and go, oh shit, feels like I need to do another poo. So <laughs> went to the bathroom and, you know, spent about half an hour feeling like I needed to poo, doing the tiniest little bits of poo yeah. and, and then, you know, got back into bed in between this and then... Yeah, it was sort of, I think, around 5 a.m. that I started feeling tightening of my lower abdomen. And I thought, this is what I've heard people talk about. <laughs> is this it? Is it finally happening? And it was very exciting. But I also thought, am I overthinking it? Or, you know, is this <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure. So I woke Trent up at that point And he sort of, he got onto the calling of everyone. Because we had a birth photographer and midwife and I had three birthing partners. So I had my husband, my mum, and my best friend, Jess. So they all had to be contacted. So we just started contacting them. And it was over this time that, you know, it's just started to ramp up. And I, I knew it had started, which was very exciting. Um, <laughs> I was in the room and, I guess, on the Swifts ball, on the bed with each contraction. And everyone sort of started slowly arriving. And, yeah, that was, I guess, the start of, the induction and knowing that it had, you know, I wasn't going to need to do another day of induction and waiting around was quite nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And do you want to talk us through what happened from there and then, yeah, into your birth story? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, where am I? So it was around 9 a.m. where, or 8 a.m., I think. 
um, it really had started to ramp up. And I think one of the hospital midwives came in and, you know, asked how it's going. And I was like, oh, they're getting pretty intense. Um, She's like, oh, well, you're in the very early stages. uh, So sort of just, you know, hang tight and we'll we'll check on you soon. And I remember thinking, shit, if this is the early stages, (laughs) I'm in, you know, this is a long, I'm not sure about this birth thing. Um, (laughs) And it was actually then that my mum, my best friend and Trent all said, look, I, I really don't think she's as early on as you think she is. Like, would you mind checking? And they sort of said, look, we, we really don't like checking uh, this early on because it's quite disappointing for women to, you know, to know that they are sure. three centimetres dilated. And that's where I thought, oh, I came in at three centimetres dilated and I feel like I'm a little bit yeah. further along than that. Would Yeah, I'm comfortable if you wouldn't mind checking. So they, they checked and they're like, oh, you're, you're five centimetres, you're in active labour, you can you can go through to the birthing suite. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Um, and this was where I guess I sort of had to to fight for myself a little bit because they tried to put me in just a hospital room uh, and, you know, so I'd birth on the bed and yeah. be monitored the whole time. And this is just because they want to keep an eye on you if you're being induced, I guess, yeah. Yeah. You know, a little bit all over the show. Uh, and I sort of said, well, can I have a water birth? And they said, Mm, we don't like to. And so we don't like to. Why? It's harder to monitor you. And I was like, well, can you still monitor me? And they said, yes, it's just harder. I said, cool. Well, I want a water birth. Mm-hmm. So they started filling up the, the bath and I got into the bath and it was, it was everything I had dreamt of. It was amazing. I'm a hundred percent a water baby. And <laughs> into that bath was just this, I felt weightless and I could find positions that were comfortable for the first time. And I felt really relaxed. This is where my birth playlist was playing that my best friend put together for me. Um, I had the fake tea light candles lit. I had my diffuser on with my birthing scent in it. And I was in this, I can only describe it as this really like magical, magical state. Mm. I remember Trent was holding me from behind. I looked over and I, it was looking at my best friend and this was when contractions were getting really intense and I just remember looking at her and thinking and saying I never want to forget this moment like it was was everything I had dreamt of birth being and more and I just totally gave in to these contractions and yeah it was incredible um mm. I felt and you know I guess in tune with my body but I was also not in that room half the time I was practicing my yeah, yeah. And I was my my mind was just going elsewhere and yeah, it was pretty phenomenal. And they sort of, they started really, really ramping up and getting closer together. Um, and then there was a point where they were monitoring me and they said, look, your heart rate is, has got incredibly high and baby's baseline has dropped. And we, we really want to get you out of this bath. We think you're too hot. So the bath temperature was okay, but the room temperature with that many people in it had, had increased. Oh, okay. And they, you know, they're worried about my deep hydration levels and they just wanted to keep a closer eye on me. And this is, my midwife was here at this point and she was, I think, I think you should listen to them. And I knew in that moment that I, you know, I didn't want to fight for something that wasn't safe for me or for my baby. Um, So very happily got out of that bath and went through to the, to the bed, you know, in the room next door uh, where they fully hooked me up and they, um, put an IV line into me to hydrate me as well. Uh, so I felt very comfortable with that that decision, I guess. Um, and it was here where, I think it was 10 a.m. or 10, or 10 a.m., um, where they said, look, 
I could not stop pushing. I needed to push at this point. Mm. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I felt like I had to push. And they said, well, you've got two and a half hours. And I remember this point <laughs> is the most we'll let you push for before there'll be intervention. Yeah. And I thought, okay, that's 12.30. And I thought, no way it'll take that long. He'll be out. So <laughs> I felt like he was so close. And the next two and a half hours, I oh, no. <laughs> the entire time. And yeah. I was trying every position under the sun. As you know, looked over the bed. I was on a Swiss ball. I was in an armchair in the corner of the bed. I was on all fours on the bed. You name it, I tried it. I could not find a comfortable position to be. I was just, it just did not work. Um, and then it, I think it was twelve fifteen where. They'd called in the whole obstetric team to come in. They were gloving up. Um, and it was, you know, they're talking about episiotomy and all of this stuff was going on around me. And it was so medical and it was the opposite of what I wanted. And I just remember thinking, I've got to get him out. Like, I've got to get him out. <laughs> and my midwife for the next two contractions um, was like, try this position. I think it's really going to help you. And I had one leg up, um, I think it was on my mum, one leg up on my midwife. My best friend was at the other end holding the other end of the towel and Trent was supporting me at the back. And it was in one of those contractions where they were like, his head is, you've got it, you've really got it out. I can see Jim and best friend was like, he's got so much hair. I was like, yeah. oh, I can actually see it. And I had two contractions like that. And it was in that moment where he came out, you know, as he came out on the, the second push of that one. And yeah, it was just, I think it was the encouragement I needed, seeing everyone sort of glove up around me and also hearing the, um, obstetrician when he came in I can't remember who he was chatting to but he was like oh yeah first time mum and they were all like yeah and he like had a look and he was like oh she'll be fine tell her to push and I just <laughs> remember thinking how casual he was about it I was like oh shit if he thinks I'm okay I'm fine I've got this you know I can do it and yeah he was born at 12 30 on the dot um which is the cutoff point they'd given me so I think <laughs> the motivation I needed to yeah really get him out um and it was placed straight on my chest and yeah it was just nothing can prepare you for that moment no. overwhelming feeling even now talking about it, it's just <laughs> incredible um just he looked straight up at me and he had just feeling his little beating heart on my chest <laughs> he went to latch pretty much straight away tried to get to my boob so he was <laughs> on my boob from the get-go and then they started the whole, I guess, cleanup process. And she yeah. I'd had a small internal tear that she needed to sort of get, get fixed up. Um, and so she was doing that. Well, I didn't even notice it was going on, if I'm being honest. I put my legs <laughs> up in stirrups and I was chatting to everyone and had Asher on my chest. And she did that. It took her a couple of hours, actually, but it just felt really quick. Um, and then 
had a had my first shower, which was the best shower of my yes. life. <laughs> yeah. So um, Jess had always said to me, she said, I'm going to shower you. So she got naked with me. We got into the shower and she washed me head to toe. And I just sort of stood there limp and absolutely no energy. And that was yeah, yeah amazing. Yeah. The best thing a friend could do for you, shower you after birth, I swear. <laughs> and then, yeah, we got back out and got out of the shower and he was having all his medical checks and everything like that. And then it was 5.30 p.m. and we were discharged and we were <laughs> this little human that we had to, you know, take into the world. Yeah, A crazy feeling getting into the car um, after that, actually, and hobbling out of the hospital. And, yeah, it just felt so surreal that he was ours and, you know, we got to have him forever now. And it was, yeah, it was so beautiful. Um, yeah. We... Had booked in at birth care, Parnell birth care. So oh, we cool. went to birth care for three days and had a crash course on parenting, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Breastfeeding and latching. And yeah, it was really lovely having that safe space to to go and, mm. you know, a phone there if you needed to call them about anything. Not that we needed to, but it was just, I guess, reassuring. And yeah, yeah. yeah really could just get to know our little family unit and get to know him and do first baths and things like that. <laughs> checks and yeah it was a lovely place to go so that's I think if I've remembered it all I've yeah yeah <laughs> <awesome. myself>. but, <laughs> cool and was he small like they expected or yeah how big was he when he was born no he was 9.7 pounds in the end so oh, wow not a small baby um, <laughs> the entire time he'd been tracking on scans and things is pretty small yeah. and I you know I wasn't really showing hugely to be honest uh, yeah. but yeah no and maybe it was those extra two weeks of cooking he both, <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah awesome cool and how did you feel taking him home and you know you leave birth care and you've got this little human that is yours and you're a mum for the first time and it's just yeah it's a lot so how did you feel going home and how were those first few weeks yeah going home for me was 10 times better than I could have imagined um I'm a a routine and home-based person I love Mm. it I thrive in my own environment so going from birth care which was incredible and a really safe amazing space but then heading home I felt like me and I felt able to to be, you know, to be fully there and fully present for him in a way that I, you know, I felt good again, like having my own things around me, being able to shower my own shower, just those things. I, you know, dealing with my postpartum bleeding, but in my own bathroom was really, it was, I don't know, it was a reassuring feeling for me. And yeah, those first couple of weeks, we had every visitor under the sun. Uh, (laughs) Every single person in our lives came to visit uh, and it, it was incredible um, because we just felt so supported in that. And it was something that we didn't know how we'd want to tackle those first few weeks or months really, but being Mm. complete extroverts and just wanting to show them off like a little trophy, honestly, I was (laughs) so proud of him. Um, It it just worked really well for us. And we had lots of people that sort of said, Oh, take it just for you. And it just, that didn't feel right for us. Um, But then we ended up, it was lockdown happened after two weeks and we were forced to take that time. And I think that was a blessing in disguise for us as well, because it it really showed us that it was really important to take that time, mm. you know, that time as a family to form that connection and not have anyone else around. So yeah. I wouldn't have done that, if I'm being honest, if that hadn't have happened. So yeah. 
I'm I'm actually incredibly thankful for that. And what it's shown me is going forward, if you know, if we're lucky enough to have any more children, is that I will take that time and I'm going to, and it's going to be a non-negotiable because yeah. bond we got to form as a family and as a family unit and it, nothing else can, yeah, I don't know, compare to that. And I look at those first three months now as, yeah, the best, best three months of my whole life. It was, yeah. it was incredible. And just giving in and not, knowing I had nowhere to be, nothing to mm. do. There was no pressure on it. If he slept, he slept. If he didn't, he didn't. You know, if I slept, yeah. I, if I didn't, I didn't. It wasn't, yeah. you know, it wasn't like I had huge commitments the next day or anything like that. So yeah. it was, it was beautiful. Yeah. Awesome. And so did you take like maternity leave from everything that you sort of do business-wise? I didn't. I didn't take any time off and I didn't yeah. know whether I'd want to or not. So it was always in the back of my head that if I wasn't coping, I would scale it right back. Um, I took time off my hair and makeup business, but that's because it couldn't run anyway. So yeah. <laughs> that was, you know, that was just an easy decision. But I, yeah, I wanted to just see how I, I went really and see how I coped with with everything and whether I would need to, you know, I definitely scaled back, but yeah, yeah I, I sort of somehow managed looking back <laughs> how I did <laughs> mum life in those early, early weeks and full-time work. But I think that was having Trent at home, even working from home. It was just, there was support there. So I think mm. that's how I managed to be able to, you know, do both. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. And did you notice any of like the hormonal sort of shifts um, that can sometimes have an impact on your mental health and the way that you're feeling? Or did you feel like that sort of wasn't, um, wasn't applicable for you? Oh, it was definitely applicable for me. <laughs> I had on day four, I think maybe it was even day five. I remember it being a little bit later than everyone talks about was the people talk about the, you know, day four blues and, I didn't have the blues in terms of what other people had talked about, but mm. I had the emotion on a level I cannot describe. I was in absolute uncontrollable tears, and I had this emotion through my body, which was for about 48 hours, where I could not stop hysterically crying. I was in a ball on the ground just holding mm. him, looking at him and just telling him how much I loved him. And it was this a love like I had never felt and it was a happiness like I could it was the highest of highs I've ever ever experienced in my entire life like you know it was it was wild but yeah for me it wasn't a a low but it was such a high high it was just bizarre um and I yeah Trent poor Trent didn't know what to do or how to (laughs) to deal with it he just kept telling me you know you're doing good and you're just cry you're allowed to cry (laughs) yeah so, yeah, that's I experienced that, um, which was, I guess, unexpected because I was preparing for a bit of a low, if I mm. mean, and to experience the opposite was, it took me, yeah, off guard, but it, it was beautiful. Um, and that died down, you know, after a couple of days, but that feeling hasn't gone. Um, just those crazy hormonal emotions have, you know. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And what about your physical recovery from birth? Like, oh, two and a half hours of pushing. I, I um, had a similar sort of birth by the sounds of it. And like, I just felt like I'd been hit by a bus. So how did you feel physically after birth? And yeah, how long did it take to recover from your stitches? And how were you feeling in those first few weeks physically? 
Yeah, so I remember day one, or as I was going into birth care, literally hobbling and feeling like my entire insides were about to fall mm. out of my body. And I just remember thinking, I hope these stitches hold it all in. <laughs> yeah. All going to come out and just hobbling in there. Uh, getting up and down from the bed, I was very grateful to have a recliner bed they had in the room because that was just, that yeah. made everything and out of bed really, really easy. Um, by day two I tried my first walk we just went for a little walk around the domain probably a walk that might have taken 10 minutes took us 40 minutes of just every step was was dicey feeling honestly like it was all just going to come out but it felt really good to get some fresh air and sunshine uh, because in the birth heather it's just all air con and I'm not used to that so it was really I just needed to get out and that was really lovely but again it, it just wild just how much your body is feeling it but I've yeah. in the past had two rounds of quite intense skin removal surgery so I know intense pain and it was it was up there but it wasn't up there with what my skin removal surgery was so for me that was a really like oh okay well you've got this yeah, I've got yeah, it. yeah. I know I'd recovered from the last two I knew it would be short term and I knew I'd get through it so I think mentally that definitely helped me get through those those early stages um and it was on the day we left birth care on day three I remember sitting down for the first time and it not being like agony mm. and I thought, oh great that you know like it is already feeling better um yeah and then at home yeah it was just the first I think two weeks of of bleeding and dealing with pads and, you know, you've got your nipple shields in. Mm. <laughs> I remember every shower was a rigmarole and, you know, putting, making sure you're changing your pads and all of those sort of things. It was just such a a part that I'd heard about, but dealing with that and dealing with a newborn, mm. it's wild. You're, but, you know, you're dealing with your own basic needs and those, they are such basic needs, but you struggle to just even find the time to do those things. Yeah. yeah because you've got this little human that needs you 24 7 so that was definitely yeah it was something to get used to for sure Uh, but in terms of my actual recovery I think every day I just started to feel that little bit better and Mm -hmm. it was you know that little bit stronger and yeah not as not as sore down below I guess and Yeah. yeah I don't know I think it was in a way slightly better in terms of recovery than I thought it would be I you know my tear my midwife by the time she checked in on third visit she said it's looking great you know all of those sort of things so I think that healed nicely it didn't re-tear or need yeah so that was that you know was a positive thing for me because I think that was a fear because of how mm. much over around I just thought oh I'm, I'm going to be the person that'll split that I know I will be but <laughs> yeah. okay um and yeah it was I I guess the the thing for me is I had said to myself that I, there's no way I was going to get back into exercise until that three month mark. So I yeah. completely have written that off in my head, and I'm really glad I I did because it put no pressure on on me in terms of my body, but also in terms of mentally having to mm. find capacity to do that. So I would just walk once or twice a day with Asher, and that was. For me, it was to get out and get some fresh air, which really helped with my mental health. If I didn't yeah. do that, I felt incredibly low. Uh, yeah. So 
just getting out, getting fresh air and sunshine was huge for me and was also a great time to put my baby to sleep. So I used to, <laughs> you know, two sleeps a day where he got a decent sleep because that's, you know, how he liked to sleep at that point. And yeah, that's, that was sort of my recovery. But I think taking those first three months meant that when I got started getting back into exercise, which I started at the three month mark, and I was doing really low intensity, but Pilates, and it was a postnatal class, mm-hmm. perfectly tailored to, you know, recovery through after birth. Um, and it was it was incredibly tough that first session. I remember thinking, oh my gosh, if this is this is where I'm at, this is crazy, you know, like I've gone so far back. But every day I just got that little bit stronger. And it wasn't the exercise, it was just that my body was recovering that little mm-hmm. bit more muscles were getting used to what I was doing um yeah and if I ever felt anything that just didn't feel right I'd stop straight away so I was just very much listening to my body and now six months postpartum uh, you know I'm fully back into my F45 there are still some exercises with if it's too much bouncing or things like that I I won't do it I just you know leave that out and I I really just tailor it to how I'm feeling and how my Mm. body and if my pelvic floor feels tired, um, it's a huge thing, just learning to listen to that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I've it started, I think it was oh, three weeks ago where I had a training session where I remember leaving thinking, that felt good. I feel, you know, I feel really good. And I, I that was a moment where I was like, okay, my, my strength is coming back and I'm starting to feel that little bit normal. Yeah. So I, I didn't expect it to take six months and, you know, I'm only just really starting, but it's yeah it's nice to know that I'm on that on that track of recovery now yeah yeah awesome very cool and what about your breastfeeding journey how did you find breastfeeding with Asher and yeah are you still breastfeeding now so I was incredibly I guess lucky with the breastfeeding journey that from straight away when I was in at birth care, I had one of the midwives. Oh, do you mind if I, you know, give your boobs a touch? She's squeezed. She's like, oh, there we go, milk. You know, <laughs> she's like, you're going to have no issues. And it was it was all there. But I guess I, I sort of knew that in the lead up that it, there, it could be a one way or the other for me. I'd had breast augmentation um, six years earlier. So yeah. I knew that was you know, I might not have a chance of being able to breastfeed. So in my head, I'd, I'd been quite comfortable in the, in the decision that I may have to use formula from the get go and may not be able to breastfeed. So being able to breastfeed, that definitely felt like a privilege. Um, And yeah, having absolutely no issue with milk supply either from the get go, it just, it really meant that Asher was fed and he was happy and it, you know, meant that he got tiny bits of sleep in those first first parts but yeah I had a I guess a relatively easy journey with breastfeeding I had the um cracked nipples in the first couple of weeks and as we were getting used to a lapse and things like that but I'm uh, at birth care they sort of showed me an amazing way to check the latch and that that really meant that from the get-go I knew that he was he was getting what he needed and yeah it was a hungry little hungry little hippo from the get-go so he's feeding quite well um and it was, I ended up, I've wound up my breastfeeding journey at six months. I made that decision. Um, and it was a, a date for me that just felt really right um, mm. in terms of introducing solids. So he'd been well-established on solids for two months previously because um, he was apparently ready, according <laughs> to the market. So he's been loving his food for a while now. And I, yeah, had this date in mind. And when I got there, it, it, it just felt really right. Um, yeah. And yeah, I've stopped my stopped 
breastfeeding then and was just spent the two weeks prior to six months just introducing an extra bottle of formula a day until he was fully on formula. So now he's um, formula fed. Yeah, amazing. Very cool. And what about your relationship with Trent? Obviously adding um, another person (laughs) to your family is a huge change for the two of you. So how have you found, um, yeah, juggling the relationship shift and um, what do you guys sort of do in terms of um, working out what you do versus what Trent does with the baby? How have you found that? Yeah, I'd always said during pregnancy when people ask what you're most excited for and for me it was watching him become a father Mm. I think what I was most excited for and it's because he's just got this incredible caring loving fun nature about him he's he's like a child at heart I just knew that he'd be the most incredible father and he is and it has just been it's been a privilege to to witness really him into fatherhood and at such a young age and it's it's just I don't know it's it's been really natural it nothing has felt challenging or difficult or hard in terms of our relationship making this change um and I I I believe a huge part of that is that we both wanted it so badly it's something that we've we've both wanted for years um and I think it, when it finally happened, it just, it just felt like an absolute honour and privilege. And we've both, I guess, just got stuck in. We're both very hands-on. Um, in the first five days, I didn't change a single nappy. That was all, <laughs> you know, fully fully went into it. And eventually it was like, well, I better, I better learn how to do this. And, you yeah. know, the crack. Um, but in terms of responsibilities with Asha, Trent working full-time, and, I, you know, I had that little bit more flexibility and mm. I was – exclusively breastfeeding so I was doing everything you know all the night shifts but Trent was there during the day if I needed help um and he'd try and take him so I could get a couple of hours sleep especially in those early weeks where he was cluster feeding and feeding every hour and so I really struggled to get any sort of sleep in those I think it was all the first eight days where I had an hour sleep on one night and I was basically like this walking dead like I yeah it was pretty bad and I just started worrying that I'd never sleep again so Trent (laughs) would take him and I would have expressed and he'd give him a little bit of um you know breast milk from a bottle and that meant I could try and get two hours at a time sort of thing Uh, so I think it's just always a a pitch-in sort of mentality for us and it's never been never been set roles you know it's just helping out where we can and if someone needs that extra help or support the other person will step in and that's that's really how it's worked but he's such a hands-on father and yeah yeah he just digs in and and just gets it done and I don't know you'd think he'd been a father for many many (laughs) you know straight away it was just so natural for him so it's been Yeah. yeah a pretty special thing to witness and for us I think the first it was the first three months where we yeah, there was no us time really. It was it was all Asher and it was all focusing around him. And once he went to sleep for the night, it was I was straight to sleep to make sure that I, you know, could try and get maybe one or two hours before he woke up for his next feed. And you know, which meant we had no evening time or anything like that. But it was, it just was what it was. And we tried to make time over, you know, over dinner. So I prep dinner early in the morning so that we could at least, if he was sleeping, sit down really mm. quickly have a half an hour dinner and catch up together yeah. that was you know time we tried to prioritize uh, but also we were 
I guess, quite lucky in the fact that working from home, it meant that in the morning, we got to have like an hour in bed where we'd just cuddle as a family. And that was so beautiful. Mm -hmm. That was time for us to all really connect and yeah, spend some time together. But now that Ash is a little bit older and we've, you know, we're quite routine based people. So Ash has formed an amazing routine. Um, it means that because of that, we know when he'll be sleeping, when he's awake and we now have our evenings back and we do, we just have to prioritize and lock in nights in the calendar where it's like date night, you know, and just be even if it's a, a date night at home it's just making it that really special time that we don't do anything else and you know focus on each other and play cards and <laughs> have a glass of wine and it, yeah it's it's been really nice um, yeah. but I feel like everything's changed but also nothing at all yeah um, yeah yeah it's just slotted so nicely into our lives and I think a huge part of that is having we've got amazing family support and mm. You know, Trent's parents have been phenomenal. They live two and a half hours away, but if we need them, they will literally drive up and, you know, be there if we need a friend's, go to a friend's wedding or things like that. So we're still getting us time, which I think has been so important for us. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Cool. And what about your sort of return to intimacy post-birth? Um, you know, I had some stitches too, and it certainly is something that sort of scared me, but... How did you feel, yeah, um, returning to intimacy with Trent post-birth? Yeah, we'd been told that we couldn't try until the six-week mark and that yeah. I had to be cleared by my midwife. Um, so she had cleared us at that point and said, you know, it's absolutely fine if you, you feel comfortable. Uh, I felt totally comfortable at that point. And I didn't have any pain anymore. Um, and I'm, I've got quite a high sex drive, so I was very excited to, you know, <laughs> again for the first time in a little while uh but the the very first time it just it didn't feel like a normal sex for us everything was a little bit looser nothing quite felt right mm. just it was definitely points where we just ended up laughing because it was just not our normal you know intimate moment and we had to just laugh our way through it and you know we, we got there in the end but it was it was a different sort of process to normal um yeah we I thought oh well see how we go and it, we didn't really try again for a couple of weeks after that but then every time we sort of we tried again it just felt better and better and better and I got more confident in in the feeling and you know that everything was okay and that not everything was going to fall out <laughs> yeah. um, you know I, I, I was okay and I wasn't going to wee at the you know in mm. a laugh or whatever it might be so yeah it started to started to feel I guess it really enjoyable again at around the three month mark for me um, and, and for Trent too, obviously. And then now it, it, it feels like it did pre Asher. Yeah. So it's about the six month mark. So yeah, it, it was a interesting road and I guess we, we probably jumped the gun quite early. Um, but I, I wouldn't change that either because it, it didn't, I wasn't in pain or discomfort or anything like that. It was just a, just a different experience than we're used to, but yeah. 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 Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Simone, on the podcast today. I've loved talking to you and I know that there'll be lots of people out there who really enjoy your story. So yeah, super grateful that you joined me. No, of course. And thank you for yeah asking me on. It's been a privilege and an honor. It's been fun chatting and reliving it all. <laughs> all, all loved up again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Kiwi Birth Tales. I hope you have enjoyed it. And another reminder that this episode was brought to you by Your Birth Project, the online hypnobirthing course and online store that you need in your life if you are a pregnant mum 
or someone who is buying a gift for someone who's pregnant, I would love for you to go and check everything out at Your Birth Project on Instagram or www.yourbirthproject.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.